So hi, and welcome to day three of ULAR 2022. My name is Douglas Veal. In this podcast, I would like to review what I felt were some of the key sessions and papers of interest from the CSF perspective. There's some terrific sessions today covering cardiovascular and VTE safety from both a clinical trial and a registry data perspective, as well as some informative data from two new potential therapeutics in psoriatic arthritis, to name just a few. I hope you find this broad podcast and review of data both interesting and informative. Before we dive into some of the more specific details of of therapies and data from today, I just wanted to highlight two sessions. In the first, Garcia Diaz and, and colleagues have used a systematic review and Delphi survey to establish practical and evidence-based nursing recommendations for the management of people with RA undergoing treatments with jacinibs. In the second session of general interest, Simons et al. quantified first-degree relatives' preferences for preventative treatments for RA. So if we take a look, first of all, at the recommendations for nurses in the management of RA, some of these, uh, I would say, are very intuitive. So for instance, before starting treatment with a jacinib, it should be confirmed that the patient has no contraindications. The patient's efficacy and outcome expectations for the drug should also be explored, and those that need to be adjusted can then be so. It should be indicated that double dose uh, should not be taken if one is missed. So many of these recommendations uh, are certainly common sense. As with other DMARDs, The patient should be instructed that close management will follow. In particular, the use of contraception and discontinuation of the drug is recommended uh, in the case of gestational desire or unplanned pregnancy. It is also recommended to explain the warning signs of infection. So, for instance, fever, uh, rash, blisters, uh, burning pain in the ribs, itching when urinating, productive cough, diarrhea in the case of a GI infection or pus-filled wounds uh, in in the uh, case of uh, advanced skin infection. It's recommended to instruct the patient on preventative measures for infectious diseases, so particularly as we have heard over the last two years, uh, hand hygiene, washing of hands uh, before and after uh, contamination or potential contact. Dental hygiene is critically important. Uh, as is uh, vaccination against common germs uh, in immunocompromised persons and in relation to shingles. Cardiovascular risk factors should be monitored and the patient trained for signs of thrombosis. So for instance, leg swelling or a, a blood clot, heart failure and also ischemic heart disease. There should be extra close monitoring of elderly patients particularly if there's cardiovascular risk or infection risk uh, identified. And the emphasis on adherence to therapy is also important uh, as far as the jacinibs is concerned. Before surgery, it's recommended that discontinuation of jacinibs should be scheduled depending on the type of surgery and the coexisting uh, comorbidities. So overall, these recommendations will allow a practical approach to the management of jacinibs by nurses, and hopefully uh, they will enjoy an adequate consensus amongst the potential 
uh, endpoint users. Simmons et al. really focused on preferences for treatment to prevent rheumatoid arthritis. Uh, and it looked at uh, a survey essentially of first degree relatives in both the UK and Germany. And they wanted to quantify the first degree relatives preferences for such treatments. So they surveyed over 350 people and the analysis uh, actually took the uh, form of two class latent uh, two class latent class analysis. This was used to estimate the preferences and to calculate the relative importance of treatment uh, attributes and also predicted uptake. So the tre treatment effectiveness was the most important attribute uh, in both classes. And the importance of other attributes differed between the classes. So the method and the frequency of treatment administration was more important in the class two, whereas the risk of mild side effects only impacted treatment choice in the class one. So the conclusion was that effective preventative treatments for RA acceptable to first degree relatives asked to assume a 60% chance of developing RA. Now in terms of RA safety, Again, the focus was mainly on cardiovascular and throm venous thromboembolic events. Uh, and currently, these are at the forefront of safety when it comes to treatment of RA with uh, the jacanibs. To this end, I've selected three sessions of interest. The first is that from Maxime Dugados and colleagues, which looks at the impact of baseline cardiovascular risk on the instance of major adverse cardiovascular events in the uh, tofacitinib RA clinical program. Uh, the others are from Charles Showman and colleagues and uh, Zoltan uh, Seskanec, which provided data on the risk of VTE in patients with RA treated with tofacitinib. And finally, then from Kevin Winthrop, uh, who also prevented, provided safety data on the results of an in integrated safety analysis update from the Philgottenup program in RA patients. I mentioned also of interest, uh, Breedemeyer colleague, uh, colleagues who actually uh, have a poster evaluating the association of concomitant use of antimalarials with the overall safety and survival of treatment course among patients uh, receiving one or indeed multiple courses of uh, biologic uh, or targeted synthetic DMARDs. So if we look first of all at the impact of baseline cardiovascular risk on the instance of major adverse cardiovascular events in the tofacitinib RA clinical program, uh, this uh, analyzed data from 21 phase one to three B and four studies and two long-term extension studies. So over 7,900 patients and the data was pooled and analyzed as two cohorts. One, the overall cohort and two, a cardiovascular risk-enriched cohort, which uh, identified patients over the age of 50 years and those with more uh, one or more additional cardiovascular risk factor. So the key results uh, from this study showed that the MACE ARs were lower in the overall uh, cohort versus the cardiovascular ri risk-enriched cohort. So <clears throat> you can see the data there, 0.38, and 0.37 uh, in the 
uh, average overall cohort uh, versus 0.72 and 0.67 relative risk, respectively, in the cardiovascular risk enriched cohort, which is probably not surprising, but uh, it is uh, important to uh, see that result uh, from this large analysis. In the adjudicated MACE uh, cases, uh, these most commonly occurred in patients with a history of cardiovascular disease uh, or indeed a high 10-year risk of MACE at baseline. So overall, uh, these results uh, are consistent with the results of the oral surveillance study, uh, but should be uh, interpreted with caution uh, due to the low patient years of exposure in some of the patient uh, groups, but it does seem uh, consistent overall. In the next study from uh, the group of uh, Zoltan uh, Seskinich, uh, biomarkers to predict risk of VTE in patients with rheumatoid arthritis receiving tofacitinib or indeed TNF inhibitors was explored in a post hoc analysis from post-authorization safety data. Um, the study uh, results showed that baseline characteristics were generally similar to those with and without VTE and in between treatment groups, and no biomarker showed a clear mechanistic association with the increased risk of VTE in patients uh, treated with tofacitinib uh, or indeed a TNF inhibitor. And no demonstration of adequate performance of prognostic use in patients with RA. So moving on to the next uh, study from Charles Schoeman and colleagues, uh, the risk of VTE events uh, in patients with rheumatoid arthritis aged 50 years or over uh, with one or more cardiovascular risk factors, um, essentially from the phase 3B and 4 studies, uh, looking at tofacitinib versus TNF inhibitors, they analyzed over 1,400 patients uh, in uh, three groups uh, receiving tofacitinib, 5 milligrams BD, 10 milligrams BD, or a TNF inhibitor, respectively. And essentially, the IRs were calculated uh, for adjudicated VTE, DVT, and PE. The key results from this study uh, showed generally across six-month intervals over a 54-month or greater period that the uh, events were numerically higher with both tofacitinib doses uh, versus TNF inhibitors uh, and with tofacitinib 10 milligrams versus 5 milligrams. So again, I think this is consistent with the data that is out there. Uh, that the higher risk groups uh, and on the higher risk of a higher dose of tofacitinib were at a, a slightly higher risk over time. And these IRs were consistent over time. Across treatments, VTE, DVT, and PEs uh, were higher in patients with uh, versus those without a history of VTE, which is again, I think, consistent with the existing data that is uh, out there. So the uh, data from Kevin Winthrop and colleagues uh, looking at the integrated safety analysis update for filgotinib in patients 
with moderate to severe active rheumatoid arthritis, receiving treatment over a median of 2.2 years, uh, they analyzed over 3,600 patients receiving either filgotin of 200 or filgotin of 100 milligram doses uh, for uh, uh, over 8,000 uh, patient years exposure. And the key findings here really were that um, there was adverse effects were higher with the filgotin of 100 than 200 dose uh, and uh, the uh, deaths from uh, IRs related to um, adverse events were 0.5 and 0.3 uh, for filgotin of 200 and uh, filgotin of 100. And the incidence of infections and serious infections were numerically greater for filgotin of 100 versus filgotin of 200, whereas uh, the adverse events for, and other adverse events were comparable between doses. The uh, adverse events uh, tended to de decrease uh, since the previous update, uh, except for those uh, associated with venous thromboembolism and malignancies. Um, so with a one-year additional exposure since the 2020 report, filgotinib continues to be well-tolerated with no new safety concerns emerging. Uh, and the adverse events, including deaths uh, and uh, adverse events, remain stable or decreased since the 2020 report, except for a slight increase in non-melanoma skin cancers and malignancies excluding non-melanoma skin cancers. So we all uh, are very familiar with the importance of uh, real-world uh, registry data to support the clinical trial data, because uh, these patients obviously uh, are a little less well-selected, and therefore they represent the patients in our clinics to a greater uh, or lesser extent. Uh, and certainly it may inform clinical practice, therefore, to a greater degree. And with this in mind, I've selected two papers from today's sessions looking at uh, jacinibs in RA. The first is from Nam et al, uh, looking at the discontinuation due to adverse events uh, in patients uh, on jacinibs. And the second is from Rusin uh, Witrand and colleagues looking at major cardiovascular and thromboembolic events in relation to safety reports between rheumatoid arthritis uh, patients treated with jacinibs versus anti-TNF therapies. So if we look at the uh, report from Nam et al uh, first, uh, th the objective of this study was to assess the safety of jacinibs compared to other biologic agents in RA patients in a real world population. And this essentially was the evaluation of treatment discontinuation for adverse events in a pooled patient database from 16 national RA registries across Europe, Canada, Turkey, and Israel. And the key results were a similar crude incidence rate of treatment discontinuation due to adverse events between JAK inhibitors and TNF inhibitors. Uh, but they were less in the JAK inhibitors uh, compared to uh, OMA. A fully adjusted HR treatment uh, stopped for uh, adverse events was also similar in jacinibs 
versus TNF inhibitors and in JAK inhibitors versus the OMA. So after adjusting for potential confounders, the rate of treatment discontinuation due to adverse events was comparable really across the JAK inhibitors and the OMA or the TNF inhibitor treated patients. So in the uh, study from Bruce and Richard and colleagues, the, the, uh, who com compared the major cardiovascular and thromboembolic events in safety reports between rheumatoid arthritis patients treated with JAK inhibs versus uh, anti-TNF uh, therapies. And this uh, essentially gives the results from the VigiBase uh, database, which is a WHO global ICSR database, uh, looking at uh, over 11 million reports um, they compared the report of uh, MACE events and VTEs with JAK inhibitors versus TNF inhibitors. So there were 611 or 1.6 percentage points of reports in JAK inhib treated patients uh, versus 3,240 or 1.4 percentage points in TNF treated patients uh, with MACE events. Then in the VTE, there was 341 or 0.9% in the jackanib treated group and 571 or 0.2% in the TNF treated uh, patients with VTE. So you can see there's slightly higher percentage points in the uh, jackanib treated patients uh, getting um, VTE compared to the TNFI treated patients. Uh, but slightly higher numbers, and this reflects the higher numbers of patients uh, receiving TNF inhibitors on the uh, database. And when they did a disproportionality analysis, this identified an increased risk of reporting VTE events in JAK inhibitor-treated uh, patients compared to anti-TNF-treated patients. So that is uh, interesting uh, from a huge database globally uh, looking at the event rates um, and the risks uh, of the uh, MACE and VTE uh, adverse events in these patients in the real world. So RA efficacy, of course, uh, is important, uh, not uh, discussed in any detail in this podcast, but I would uh, recommend the oral session, uh, which is entitled Comparison of the Effect of Different Janus Kinase Inhibitors on Activation, Function and Property of NK Cells to control cancer cell lines proliferation, an ex vivo and an in vitro study presented by Mudec et al. And this provides some thoughtful insights into the phenotypic and functional impact of JAK inhibitors on NK cells. So you can look at that in your own time. Now let's uh, switch our focus to uh, psoriatic arthritis or PSA from RA. And uh, two sessions of interest today, which focused on new data in PSA. The first uh, from Merola and colleagues, uh, which uh, they presented a 16 week efficacy and safety data on bimekizumab uh, B complete phase three study. And then uh, from Berens et al, which presented 16 week data again, but at this time, but a focus on the results from a phase two study of Isochymbep 
in psoriatic arthritis, otherwise known as ABY035. In addition, uh, in psoriatic arthritis, Zabotti et al. Uh, provided results from a machine learning analysis of minimal disease activity response patterns in bio-naive uh, treated patients with gazelkumab. And uh, D'Agostino et al. Uh, investigate the value of various reduced joint sets to predict the validated GLOS score. So in the uh, first study from uh, Marola and colleagues, looking at bimekizumab, this was a 16-week pivotal phase three study looking at the efficacy and safety of bimekizumab in over uh, 390 patients, so nearly 400 patients in the B-complete study. And the primary endpoint in this study was quite high. It was ACR 50 at week 16. And the primary endpoint was met uh, in the bimekizumab uh, treated patients, 43.4% patients achieved an ACR 50 compared to 6.8% of placebo. And this was highly statistically significant. Uh, there was also a rapid separation from placebo uh, as early as week four uh, in comparison to the placebo treated patients. Interestingly, all ranked second, secondary endpoints were also met uh, with a high degree of uh, statistical significance. So bimekizumab, which is a dual inhibitor of IL-17A and IL-17F in patients with active psoriatic arthritis uh, with prior inadequate TNF inhibitor response resulted in rapid, clinically relevant and statistically significant improvements in efficacy outcomes compared to placebo. So the next study of isokimab uh, in patients with active psoriatic arthritis, this is an earlier study, a phase two study, again with this high uh, bar of an ACR50 endpoint uh, at week 16, uh, looked at the efficacy, safety, and pharmacokinetics and immunogenicity of isokimab uh, compared to placebo. And at week 16, the confirmatory primary endpoint of ACR50 response rate was met, again, highly significant with P-level of 0 0.0003. Uh, the ACR50 response rate was 52% in the high-dose treatment group, that's 80 milligrams, uh, compared to the lower-dose group of 48% uh, in the 40 milligram treatment group, and then 13% in the placebo group. Interestingly, there was no serious or severe adverse events uh, found during the first uh, treatment period in this phase two study. So that's, uh, I think, uh, hopeful data for the future, and I'm sure will uh, lead to further studies in this agent. The next study is that from Zabati et al. And uh, this group, as I said, used machine learning to identify the minimal disease activity response patterns in bio-naive bio treated patients. And they looked at the minimal disease activity domains over time uh, to see, can they find potential uh, baseline response predictors? Uh, and they looked at a cohort of over 570 patients uh, taken from a study uh, essentially of gazokimab uh, in different doses across the Discover 1 and 2 uh, 
clinical trial program. And they use an unsupervised machine learning uh, time series uh, clustering algorithm. Uh, and through week 52, so after one year, the MDA response rates were highest in the uh, third cluster and lowest in the fourth cluster. At the same time, all clusters showed continuous improvement in mean values across all uh, minimal disease activity domains. So all clusters showed some response, but the machine learning identified a sort of a high responder group, a high responder cluster and a low responder cluster. Interestingly, uh, clusters one, two and four all met the PASI threshold for skin responses. Uh, and they showed a substantial reduction in swollen joint counts, while other domains varied. In the cluster two, one and two, there was improvement in clinical measures that paralleled that of, of the third cluster. However, the patient reported outcomes appeared to take longer to resolve. So I think this is an example of machine learning, which is being applied more and more now to clinical trial data and indeed registry data uh, to see can we predict using machine learning and algorithms those patients who are going to respond to treatment before we actually initiate that treatment. This is uh, from uh, Mara uh, D'Agostino and her colleagues um, and, and this was looking at a slightly different approach so um, they uh, were looking at data from the ultimate study, which is a 52-week study uh, with a 12-week double-blind placebo-controlled period, followed by a 12-week uh, open-label treatment and a six-month open-label extension period. And they uh, essentially investigated the value of various reduced joint sets to predict the validated uh, um, global uh, Omeract ULAR synovitis score uh, in response to secukinumab uh, in patients with active psoriatic arthritis. So there were five models established with reduced pairs of joint sets, nine to 13 pairs, and all five models of reduced joint sets showed high correlation with the global uh, synovitis score with an R value, an R squared value of around 0.95. So that really shows an extremely high correlation, uh, almost perfect correlation, I would say. Uh, and so all models of reduced joint sets for power Doppler ultrasound detected synovitis predicted the synovitis score well. So that bodes, I think, very well. It's good validation for uh, Paradoppler ultrasound detected synovitis in the assessment of psoriatic arthritis patients in clinical trials. So with that, uh, we've had another busy day at ULAR 2022, uh, and I hope you'll agree we've had some great cytokine signaling uh, uh, presentations there. I hope you've enjoyed this roundup of day three. If you haven't already done so, you can download the ULAR 2022 highlights brochure from cytokinesignaling.com to see the abstracts that we've selected for you for the whole of the Congress, along with our top picks that we've just reviewed here. So please join me again tomorrow 
as I discuss highlights from the final day of the Congress. Uh, and until then, we'll say adieu. Thank <laughs> you.